Hello, this is the TechBridge Sweden UK podcast. My name is Sigrid Barnacle. I'm program director of Mr. Future Fashion. And my name is David Cairns. I'm the British ambassador in Sweden. And we are here this evening at the British residence in Stockholm, where we've been holding the fifth event on Sweden UK TechBridge. Uh, and this evening's theme has been all about uh, fashion tech. And it's been fascinating. So we had great panelists today. We had Sarah Arnold, who's the CEO and founder of Hire Studio, a rental subscription service from UK. We also had Lucas Fuchs from Ellen MacArthur Foundation, who's a research analyst working on the initiative Make Fashion Circular. And we also had Frederick Timur, who's the CEO of Noye, a fashion tech company enabling other companies to explore digitization. And last, we had Gustav Thunhammer, co-founder of Vertisize, who is addressing sizing issues online. During the next 40 minutes, we will talk about uh, different types of examples, uh, what's happening in the future uh, fashion tech. Uh, and um, also link it to sustainability. Um, and uh, when I got the question of moderating this panel, because my background is not f- fashion tech, however, it is sustainability, sustainability for fashion. Uh, and I personally have a very strong um, passion for uniting the two communities and the two thoughts, because whatever research we do within our research program, uh, we see that the digital development technology will be a key enabler for enabling a sustainable fashion industry. And I'm very eager here now to uh, let you present yourself, your examples. And I'm looking at you, Fredrik. Please present more to us what Noye is and what you do and how you support other companies in their progression in fashion tech. I'm Fredrik Timor and I'm coming from Noye and we create a fashion tech platform for the fashion industry. So basically what we're doing is we're looking at the problem of solving how do you even put technology into clothes. What we do is basically looking at if you want to integrate technology into clothes, what we started with was to look at all the different hills you have as a brand. I mean, you have to start with creating technology and that's not something that's easy. So we started working with London to start with. <laughs> so mm-hmm. actually that's where we started. We started working with IBM uh, in Surrey and their R&Ds, we looked into IoT in general because fashion tech uh, is actually part of the whole IoT that's happening right now. So we looked into the prob- what's the problem with creating technology itself. And I will not dig too deep into that, but generally it's, it's very hard to do technology in one-offs and you often got one to one and a half year of development before you can release something. So you need a platform when it comes to technology part. Then we came to the next part. Okay, you've got technology, it's made by Infotex, and it's <laughs> really funny because they are a British company that we're working with that's doing smart fabrics. So, I mean, but if you look at this, this is one of the problems when it comes to technology. So you've got this fabric, it's touch sensitive, and how they solve this is a genius, I have to say, but it can't do nothing. This is a connector, right? So what should it connect to? And that's, that's really why we created the technology. How can you actually hook this up to the internet and create functionality on top of it. And that leads us to the second problem is, how can we create something on top of this technology? So that we created a software platform. And 
when we started developing the software platform, we looked at other creative industries. I'm actually uh, an artist from the beginning, fine art. So I've been doing production, creative production. So we looked at the workflow, because that's what we concentrated on. Workflow for designers and creatives. We created a platform so you can create content on top of the technology. So that's that's base, the basis of what we do. Tell us a little bit more about the idea of the software platform. What, what type of possibilities you, you see that you can do there? Basically, the whole idea around the software platform is based around the business model, because that's where we felt you have a lack. You can create the tech, and when you start talking about fashion tech or technology into clothes, most of the time what you're talking about is the technology itself. So this is a touch-sensitive fabric, for example, mm -hmm. but not the applications. And what we were looking at is the user experiences that you can create on top of the clothes. Basically seeing the clothes as um, an iPhone or something similar. So we created a platform where you can push out apps on top of the platforms, because if you want a sustainability change, or if you want a change, you need to show the industry that you can make money on something else than the volume. I mean, selling the actual garment. And then you start to need to look into selling the data that you can get, so data mining. And then we've got companies like IBM, so now the circle gets closed. Why do we work <laughs> with IBM? <laughs> so they want the data. What do you want to do with the data? They want to refine it and sell it to another company, like Volvo, for example. But for a consumer to use the clothes, you need a driver, and you need user experience. A little bit like Netflix, they went from being someone that sent out DVDs to a content provider that actually create TV series. And the TV series is why you use the net <laughs> Netflix platform. Uh, and exactly the same, is, it's the same for the fashion industry, it's a digitalization of the industry. And mm -hmm. that's really what it is, it's not fashion tech. Uh, and that digitalization goes very deep, all the way from logistics to retail to consumer experiences and where you can make the money. So what we've been concentrating on a lot is the business model. How can the brand make more money if the user used the clothes longer and more instead of having it in the wardrobe? So that's that's the basis of what we do. And I'm going to move to Sarah. So I'm Sarah Arnold, and I'm the founder and director of fashion rental company Hire Studio. And we're going to talk about sharing economy and yeah. the, the technology around that. I mean, it's funny, actually, that I've ended up in a fashion tech sphere um, because I originally studied fashion design at St. Martin's thinking that I was going to have my own fashion label. Um, and I came out of it thinking, well, how can I be really innovative in design, have my own label and wanting to grow my business, encouraging people to buy more and more stuff that they don't really need. And if I was going to do this, there's always going to have to be some kind of sacrifice in terms of my values for sustainability or compromise. So that led me to go to Imperial College and I studied innovation, entrepreneurship and management. And that led me to the circular economy and how rental could be a kind of overarching solution to transition to a circular economy. Because if brands can retain ownership, and rent instead of sell, you can begin to profit from the longevity of items rather than the quantity of items. Mm -hmm. And in turn, because the consumer doesn't have to commit to the clothes, you can be more experimental as a consumer, which means that we can have more exper experimental and creative clothes. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of solved my problems that I started with when I was at St. Martin's. So I founded Hire Studio and it really started with me just renting 
items from my own wardrobe. <laughs> and from there, we've built it. And now we have partnerships with brands. So we work kind of as a platform to rent their stock. And it started with utilizing the items that they have lying around in their studios, sometimes show pieces that didn't go into production. So things that have real value, but were just lying around idle. So we built it from that. And really the goal is to work closely with the brands and help them transition to a circular economy, incentivizing that with the business model. You're one of those lovely pioneers in the in the field of new business model, uh, and where I think that the online is uh, one of the key enablers for you, right? Reaching customers and so on versus traditional rental. Yeah, because I mean, rental isn't really something new. Um, I always remember and seeing like a little rental shop in a kind of boring town in the <laughs> UK. Um, and, you know, they've got all these prom dresses and things yeah. like that. Yeah. But those kind of businesses weren't going anywhere. Mm. And it's really online mm. where you can kind of have that breadth of choice that we can modernize fashion rental. It's kind of that clueless, it's a bit cliche, but the clueless wardrobe. <laughs> I'm sure everyone knows the 90s yep. film. The <laughs> and, um, and she's got a kind of very 90s looking computer and she's selecting her wardrobe and seeing mm -hmm. what matches. But uh, mm. that's, that's really what we're doing. And yeah, she was using yeah. some kind of technology yeah. to do that. And yeah, so it's definitely an enabler. Yeah. Great. And when we talk about sustainability um, and we want to go from this linear system that we have today, where we just, uh, you know, we, we take and make and create a lot of garments and then ends up in, in waste. Um, and we know that the first thing that we should ought to be doing when it comes to sustainability is to prolong the life of existing garments. And that's where you so nicely fits in. What do you think is because you're still in the early days mm. and if one of the few, um, how would you say that, how can the industry help in adapting and have more consumers to to try out rent rental it's difficult because you know if it's disruptive mm. then you're kind of creating your own system but actually you need the system that exists to get visibility mm. you know traditionally it's been you get visibility by being in a department store or something like that and so you've kind of have to think about how much you want to be in the traditional system and how much you want to break away from the system. Mm. And our approach is really working with the brands. Mm. So then we're kind of bypassing the traditional retail, mm. which is a bit tricky. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, we're kind of get gaining that strength in that we help the promotion through all the brands. Mm. How do you perceive the big brands participating in this type of platform or or uh, partnering with you? Are they hesitating for this new type um, of... So far, I've found that brands, I mean, maybe it's the ones that I've approached are, you know, forward thinking in, in these areas, but we haven't had much resistance. Mm. Um, and I, I think in terms of the really big brands such as Gucci and stuff, they're, they're already thinking in this way and knowing that it's something they need to tackle. Um, but one of the key things that I say to brands when I'm talking to them is that the sharing economy is happening. It's increasing. Mm -hmm. And w we can debate 
at what speed it's for fashion it's going to become really mainstream but it's going to go in that direction um so if you're a brand do you want to sell to a stockist and then see it on getting resold and resold and resold where it might even go up in value if it's a rare showpiece um but you're not as a brand you're not seeing that return and if you're creating really durable products both emotionally durable and physically durable that you can have a really long lifespan and you if you retain ownership you can then keep earning through that lifespan and then you transition from creating in quantity to creating in quality we're going to stay with the, the with the changes of um, the consumption habits and so on consumers leaving stores and moving more into online uh, and i'm looking at you gustav uh, online actually going to say that um, according to our research studies it actually shows that it is preferred to shop online versus take the car to the shopping mall uh, given that you don't use uh, a lot of have a lot of returns uh, and returns is a big issue that consumers are not that aware of uh, and you've been tackling this uh, the, the the sizing issue linked to this please yeah, tell us yeah. about your company i'm gustav Thunhammar. i'm co-founder and uh, up until a week ago ceo of a company called virtuesize who that develops virtual fitting rooms I mean, hundreds of companies have tried to solve this historically. Pretty much they've always done it somewhat in the same way. They have started off with, with your body and they have tried to put clothes on that body and then recommend a size. But I realized that it could be more convenient to start off with another garment. So a garment that you know very well and a garment that fits you well, it becomes a very clear reference point. That's where the idea behind Virtusize was born. So what we do is that we let the consumer compare an item of clothing that he or she is looking to buy with a similar item of clothing that you already own. And we do this in a visual way so that you can see clearly how the garments differ and what size will fit you best. Mm. And, and uh, based around this, we developed solutions that we sell to online retailers in Europe and across the world uh, to, as you said, help them primarily reduce returns, but also in some cases increase sales because well, a big reason why people don't like to shop online is because they don't know if the item will fit or not. One of the challenges, of course, online is you can't touch and feel it and test it, right? Yeah. So I imagine there's been tons of these type of projects and pilots and trying to fix this. How has it been sure. to, to, <laughs> to be in, this, um, in the lead and trying to, to have a huge impact on the market? Here in Europe, we see returns of around 50% in some markets. They could be even higher, it could be 70%. And uh, half or sometimes more of those returns are caused by size and fit. The reason why we haven't seen better progress, I mean, return rates, to be honest, they have been increasing since we started. And there are a few explanations. One, I think the main one is that the big retailers and, and often also the small ones, they have been focusing all their attention on selling clothes. So they fine tune everything in order to sell the clothes. And when you get to a product page, everything is perfectly in place in order to get you to be excited about the garment and put it in your bag and buy it. So they don't want to do anything that could risk you not buying the item. And if you start talking about size and fit, then you, then you 
you could get a little uncertain as a consumer and thereby you'd maybe not buy as much as you wouldn't have to do. So that's a big reason and uh, I think that will shift eventually at some point the companies they will need to be more profitable and to become profitable returns have to come down but still a lot of focus is on on uh, conversion instead of other aspects. Uh, and the second reason uh, why we haven't really seen a big breakthrough uh, when it comes to big data and uh, machine learning or artificial intelligence is that, first of all, in experiments, uh, you can get very accurate results and recommendations based on big data and, uh, and machine learning when it comes to size and fit. But the problem is that either you're a small brand and then you don't have enough data on the individual garments, or you're a big brand, but the big brands typically uh, do what we call fast fashion, so their collections are very short. So after two weeks, you might have enough data mm. on a, a particular garment, but well, two days later, you stop selling that item, and then you have to start all over again. So that's one big challenge that mm. hasn't really been tackled yet. It's a challenge in the old structure, in the old business model. Yeah, it is. Now we're going to look at Lucas. I'm Lucas Fuchs. I'm here on behalf of the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, where I work as an analyst. And uh, our mission is to accelerate the transition to a circular economy. I'm really excited that you are here, uh, since you represent uh, on behalf of several global fashion industry. Last November, you published your report on the state of fashion called the New Textile Economy, Redesigning Fashion Future. So you're here in more having a more macro level perspective, um, also linking back to the structural problems with old traditional business models and so on. We need to do a big shift. So please tell us what you're doing. At the Alan MacArthur Foundation, which was set up uh, in 2010, we have produced a number of reports around circular economy, the latest being a new textiles economy, redesigning fashion's future which I have been involved with uh, right from the beginning and we published last year uh, with uh, Stella McCartney. At the heart of our report is the circular economy and our challenge or our aim is nothing short of changing our economic system. The system that we have today is linear. We take some materials off the ground, we make a product, we use the product and the overall majority of these products are being trashed at increasing speeds. So that's incineration and landfill. And the idea uh, of a circular economy is rather simple. It's to keep all the products and materials in use for as long as possible. The subtitle of our report is Redesigning Fashion's Future, and redesign is really at the heart of changing that entire system. When we started researching for our report, we actually found a number of shocking stats. Uh, over the past 15 years, um, clothes have been loose, uh, used less, approximately 30%. Uh, a large amount of our wardrobe is not being used at all anymore. Everybody knows that. We have that little pile of clothes that we never look at. Less than 1% of our clothes get recycled into new clothes. The majority is incinerated or landfilled, and that translates into one garbage truck of clothes every second. So our vision that we are working with is looking at the entire system. So what is being put into the system needs to be safe and renewable. The way that we are using our clothes goes into, into direction rental. We need to drastically increase 
our usage of our clothing. And in the end, we need to be able to, uh, if we can't use the clothing as a product anymore, we at least need to be able to capture the material to make new clothes from it. We are convinced that no company is able to do this on their own. This is just, the, the challenge is too big. And this is where collaboration comes into play. And um, so now we are actually in the second phase of um, Make Fashion Circular. And we have a group of approximately 50 participants. And uh, amongst them, we have uh, English brand Burberry as a core partner. We have Swedish brand H&M as a core partner. Uh, we have Mistra Future Fashion as an affiliate partner. And we are working with the entire value chain from the material producers to the spinning mills, to the brands, the retailers, the collectors, the recyclers. And together, we are working on projects so that we can uh, increase use produce safe materials and in the end recycle the materials. And um, how does that actually apply to technology? Mm. My answer is everywhere. Mm. <laughs> technology is everywhere. We mm. see it in business models to increase the use. Maybe uh, there could be tracking technologies in the clothing that um, could help uh, uh, when, when we discard off our clothes and we need to sort them. We could have tracking technologies so that it's easier to, to sort it and then to recycle it, etc., etc. So um, this is this is what we do. Uh, the the initiative is laid out for three years, um, and our goal is to create unstoppable momentum and start as many projects and very very ambitious projects together with the brands, and they're really dedicated to changing the system because they know that the system as it is today is not going to be viable for them in the future. I'd like to talk about the stages of fashion tech. Where are we when it comes to, if you call it fashion tech or technology development or digitalization, regardless, where are we in the scale of advancement? I mean, if you're looking at what's out there, it's more or less nothing, mm. I would say. Mm. Uh, if you look at what's happening in the background, there's a lot of things happening. So, so I mean, there is progress, definitely, but there is a very old structure. Mm. Uh, it, it's worked the same way. I sometimes, to provoke a little bit, say that it's the same business model since 1790, and that's not something you should be proud of. No. If you look at the music industry, they were forced to do it, but they mm -hmm. did it. Uh, if you look at the movie industry, all other industries have digitized. The fashion industry is, is one of the last, actually, <laughs> that, uh, surprisingly enough, haven't transformed at all. I mean, I'm talking to communication agencies in mm. London or, or Stockholm or New York, for example, and they immediately get what we are talking about. Mm. I can see how easy it is for them mm. to enter the market because they're coming from digital content, <laughs> which the fashion industry mm. know nothing about, mm. more or less. They know about user. Mm. The fashion industry only talk about consumers, like you said, not users. They mm. just want conversion rates. Mm. Uh, and they really have to rethink. So, I mean, if you come from the other end, where mm. you say, well, we have an influencer. You've got 500,000 followers. Mm. We now have to do the digital experience. And then we sell the clothes. It's so easy to see that it's happening everywhere else. Why shouldn't it happen when it comes to clothes? Mm. Of course, when we add technology, people will immediately like entertain me. Give me more. <laughs> That's how I see it. I think that we're calling it fashion tech illustrates that there's a problem because, <laughs> you know, we don't call, talk about music tech. And she said earlier. <laughs> um, 
fashion tech has kind of been othered by the creatives in the industry, I guess. It seems like there's, there's designers and then there's fashion tech. <laughs> and then there's sustainability. Exactly. <laughs> um, the industry is kind of disjointed and I think there needs to be a lot more work with the brands and gaining their trust and making them, kind of educating them so they really understand what this technology is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're not labeling it, so, which creates barriers. You're not understanding it. Yeah. Like something niche, it needs to be integrated and stuff. Maybe, maybe I can comment also on this. Mm. As I said, we have 50 different companies in our initiative and uh, we do bring these silos together so that actually the manufacturer talks to the recycler, talks to the designer, talks mm. to the uh, digital companies. And we get a lot of eureka moments where people actually understand each other's problems because they haven't been talking to each other mm. before. And mm. this, this platform really offers the opportunity to drive project forwards that haven't been possible before. And it's really great to see uh, all the energy in the room when we are running our, our workshops together with these companies and, and seeing how they can co-develop and collaborate on these, on these new ideas. I think one key issue that needs to be solved is that currently a lot of the production and especially the data surrounding the garments is very analog. But once that becomes digitalized and you have digital models of the garments that are very true to what they actually are mm. at that moment. And when you have that at a broad scale, I think that we can see some really cool applications where we actually get to try on the clothes. Because we already today have technology where you can, with a camera, get a very good reproduction of your body mm. and you can create your avatar on the screen. Mm. But there are no clothes to put on that avatar. Mm. So, I mean, mm. you, why would you bother doing it? And I mean, maybe you could find a niche store where you could do it. Mm. But no one wants to shop in one store. There were two questions that we covered today. The future of fashion tech and how can UK and Sweden work together to keep a competitive edge. So my take out of this is that there's not a lack of creativity and ideas and solutions. It's more like how can we really drive the scale of it and implement it so it actually gets implemented and make a big shift. There was a common consensus across the panel that we are still in the early days. More is needed. And then when it comes to Sweden and, and UK, I think we had great examples on, on the panel also that could actually showcase that Sweden and UK are in the forefront. We have good resources both in both countries. So we ask some of the people the same questions. So my name is Linda Leopold. I'm an ex-journalist and uh, during the last few years I've been running my own consultancy working as a consultant in the fashion tech area. I think technology is definitely the way forward for the fashion industry and the way to solve a lot of its challenges, especially when it comes to sustainability. But it's also very important for the creative side of fashion, for example. So I think fashion tech is such a broad topic and uh, as we heard in the discussion here this evening, it, I mean fashion tech could be anything from sustainability to wearables to circular economy. So it's a broad topic, it's, it's really really important for the fashion industry to work towards better technical technological solutions. I think there are a lot of similarities between Sweden and the UK. For example, if you look at the sustainability challenges uh, collaboration is the only way forward. So we really need collaboration between 
companies, between countries, within the industry and between industries. So I think fashion tech is, is a great example of an area that really, really needs collaboration. Gustav Thunhammer, and I would say that very much continue what we already do. So our company has worked successfully with a number of British fashion companies like, like ASOS and, and uh, Hobbs and many other, and all of those collaborations have been quite successful. So I think already today we have a good position. Uh, so I guess we just need to continue build on, on what we already have. Hi, I'm Sarah Arnold and I'm not Swedish, so I guess my, my outlook is looking at the kind of cliché of what Sweden has to offer for the fashion industry and it has become known for its minimalism, excellent taste and sustainability and we see you know, companies such as H&M really being at the forefront of innovation in this sector. Um, and then what's the cliché of the UK of London it's a really a sense of rebellion uh, well tradition and rebellion living side by side um, you know from talking to the companies who are here tonight I think there's a potential for this collaboration of like how can we marry the two how can we bring some of that London rebellion into um, this kind of sophisticated uh, Swedish aesthetic combined with technology. For us at the embassy here, the UK and Sweden, and especially you know, London and Stockholm, are two fantastic centres for innovation and tech. And so what we try and do with the Tech Bridge series is pick up different themes and talk about, talk about the subjects and also try and get people together. So Swedes and Brits doing great stuff on a piece of particular tech, how, you know, what are we doing? What can we share? What can we, and then what can you do together? And the end of it is trying to build bridges between the two of us so we can do some really cool stuff. And today has been fashion. And I'm very delighted to be part of this, coming from the sustainability community, working on progression for the fashion industry, making it circular and uh, sustainable. We assess that fashion tech and digitalization and so on will be a key enabler to enable that type of process and progression. So delighted to be part of this discussion today. Yeah. And I think one thing that's been fascinating for me uh, in the evening is just how, how broad it's been. So we say fashion tech and you might think, oh, fashion models, walkways, blah, blah, blah. And it's not that at all. You talked about sustainability and so on. That's been huge. Uh, next generation production techniques, how, how to keep a track of you know, where does all your stuff come from when you make it? And then you know, where is it they're gonna go? How can you, can you recycle it? Can you bring back into a, into a circular economy? Uh, the importance of you know, technology in your in your life, and then also the future future ownership. Uh, where are we where are we going on the ownership of fashion? So it's it's hugely broad and fascinating. Yeah, it's very very broad, I have to say. And the nice thing with the examples we saw here is we had three examples of individual concepts or ideas that are utilizing digitalization. Um, and at the same time, we also had then um, Ellen MacArthur Foundation who talked on a more macro level um, where you need to have more effort into pulling all this type of different needs in technology development uh, in order to change and make a more sustainable future.
for other countries, this industry is huge. So in the UK, it's half a million people. Uh, in, in Sweden, it's worth 250 billion crowns, I think, a year. It's, it's, colossal, it's colossal scale and growing, and it's really part of society. So trying to use these things to push it in the right direction in the future is also really exciting. David, so what was your key takeout from this conversation today? I think what I found most interesting is that in, in the same way we talk about sort of fintech and how small, innovative, young people and companies can really make a difference in an industry, the fashion is the same. You know, out, of, out of nothing, people will come with bright ideas and can do really different stuff which can really impact the industry for the future. And that's really exciting. How about you, Sigrun? So my key takeout was a conversation that the panelists had about fashion tech as such, that there's actually a name for fashion tech and it's a community in itself, whereas digitalization and technology development is across so many areas within fashion that is needed. Uh, and that it's a, it's a remarkable that you even have a label that is called fashion tech and that doesn't exist in other industries, which tells a lot. Um, and perhaps we actually ought to move away from having those type of labels because they could actually categorize you in a category that you don't feel you belong to. So um, referring back to what Sarah was talking about, that she's a fashion designer she started her rental services but she she people are confused they can't really fit her into a category when when they when they talk about the technology and fashion tech you have been listening to the tech bridge sweden uk podcast all about fashion see you next time